Welcome to the Metal Hammer Podcast, episode 92. I'm Mo and I'm here with Eleanor. How are you doing? Hi. Good. <laughs> Answer my question when I ask you that. I'm doing very well, thank you, Merlin. Good. I am glad. Uh, oh my God, there's been so much going on this week. We'll get into all of it in a moment. Um, don't forget to pick up the latest issue of Metal Hammer. It is out right now. Uh, features the one and only Five Finger Death Punch on the cover. We've also got some signed stuff in bundle form coming soon as well. Uh, and I've been saying that for a couple of weeks now. Um, but we've had to get stuff shipped over. So it's taken a little bit longer than we thought. But it is very, very, very close to being live. And once it is live, there'll only be a few hundreds of those in the world. So make sure you get them. Uh, keep an eye on tinyurl.com forward slash buy hammer for that bundle when it comes. And of course, the latest issue, if for some insane reason you haven't bought it yet, you should. It's very, very good. We went to see Ghosts at Wembley Arena on we Friday did. night. We did. Had a lovely time. Didn't get to sit with each other because of guest list stuff, but that's fine. Not complaining. <laughs> Just would have been nice to hang out, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I was fine. <laughs> yeah, fine. Uh, I think we were on opposite sides of the arena, actually. Um, you saw, did you see both support bands? Yeah, I did, yeah. All right, go on then, because I did not. I'd yeah. never seen them before. Obviously, we've had them in the mag. Oh, cool, have you not? No, we've had them in the mag quite a lot, so I'm familiar with them, but I've never seen them. And um, I really enjoyed it. They actually sort of won me over seeing them live, because I just kind of always thought, yeah, they're okay, you know, I don't like, particularly love them, but I think they're okay for what they do. And seeing them live, it felt like really brought it to life. Um, when we walked into the arena, they were just beginning and you could smell like a sort of burning smell. And I was like, this is weird. Mm. Then I noticed they had the incense on the stage and they had kind of um, a stained glass window type church backdrop thing. And they had loads of green lights and dry ice and they came on and they're just really cool. They just did like that. They just sounded really cool. Was um, there much of a crowd there? Because they were on really early, weren't they? They were really early. There wasn't a huge crowd, but the crowd that were there were obviously quite into it. Probably That's showed cool. up just to see them. And it was really oh, nice awesome. to see them play a venue like Wembley, obviously, because they would usually play like a smaller capacity place. And they'd obviously still wanted to make a show of it. And you could tell they'd put the effort into like making the show and make it bring in the atmosphere. And I was sitting like three seats down from Jonathan Seltzer, our reviews editor, but it was a bit too far to like lean over. And there was uh, one of the guitarists had this like frayed hoodie on and looked sort of like a kind of frenzied witch and was doing loads of, <laughs> <laughs> he was doing loads it's of good band name right there. If anyone's listening and they're struggling <laughs> for a band name's frenzied witch. He was doing loads of really cool, like fancy footwork and like kicking his leg out. And he was very sinewy and like, um, he looked like some sort of otherworldly spirit in human form going around the stage. And I was like, he's my new favorite person. I texted Jonathan. I was like, who's the, like, which is the witch guitarist in Tribulation? <laughs> and he knew who I meant. He was like, well, I think he said um, his name is Jonathan Holtzen. And I was like Googling him afterwards. Um, he's very theatrical. He seems to wear a lot of makeup. I mean, this is sounding like you've got a crush on the guitarist. No, I'm not. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> you just talked about it for two he minutes He had a straight. veil over his face. I just thought it was cool because it was being really theatrical. Okay, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to be presumptuous. You were being pres presumptuous. I just thought it was like a focal point because the singer was cool and did his thing, but he like stood there and sang. So like this guitarist was the focal point of the action, really. He was sort of like speeding around the stage and stuff and I was like oh he's cool well I have a crush on him so no. <laughs> and yeah I thought they um they just it was really fun and interesting and 
I just really enjoyed hearing the songs actually. Um, it, like I said, it just kind of brought it to life a bit for me. And That's awesome. It's so the next cool day, to hear the people there that seem to be like genuinely into it as well. Yeah, and the crowd obviously did get bigger over time, as happens. And the next day, I literally was like listening to Tribulation all morning because I thought, oh, I sort of missed a trick here. Oh, I dismissed awesome. them, and actually, it was really good. So they're, they're a band that have drawn a few comparisons with Ghost in the sense that they've, I mean, Ghost were probably more catchy and image conscious to start with in a way, but Tribulation started very much in the proper like underground metal scene, and they kind of tweaked their sound a bit, tweaked their image a bit, a bit more theatricality, and they're kind of coming out of their shell a bit and turning into something which feels like it could go quite big um and a band like that playing Wembley Arena is crazy also one of them Children of the Night is the cool album that I was listening to yeah that's a great album yeah it was really really cool and also uh, apparently one of the guitarists might be the one I was talking about might be another one I can't remember plays in um a band with Tobias was it Repugnant yeah Repugnant the Death Metal Band yeah oh cool well there you go then that was an accidental link I just made that I didn't realize existed (laughs) um might explain partly why they got booked um, it might. All them witches. Yeah, played <laughs> as well. Did. Um, yeah, it's an interesting band. I was quite surprised to see them as a main support at Wembley Arena, to be honest, and also for at a ghost. ghost gig. Yeah. Um, I was sort of on the fence with it, to be honest. Um, I'd never seen them before, and you hear all them. Wi- I knew about them already, so it wasn't like a huge surprise to me. But I think if you didn't know know about them, you'd see all them witches. And you think it was some sort of spooky gothic thing, but it's not. It's more like rock and roll jamming type trio yeah. thing. And the three of them were on stage. I thought it was quite cool the way they had their setup. Like they were all kind of in a line. It was almost like they were all equal and kind of all creating their sound together. And I thought that was quite cool the way they were kind of arranged on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Jonathan was like well into actually Jonathan Seltzer. He was like, oh, this is like the best thing ever. But he loves stuff that's sort oh, of like repetitive and jammy. And so that, that is literally his jam. Um, and I was a bit like, yeah, it's okay. But I was a bit mm, bit bored for me. It's a bit repetitive. And I didn't love the bass either because I don't always love bass if it's like too bassy. Um, so for me, I thought they were really like good for what they were. And I thought it was cool, but it just wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't really for me. Um, Ghost did then. Think? Did you watch them? No, I didn't see them. Oh, okay. No, I came in as they were coming off stage. I mean, yeah, I don't want to sound down on it. It was, it was good. It's just not good, not for me. Like I said, not my fair, thing. Fair. That was a balanced review. It's the best we can ask for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, Ghost. So obviously, one of, if not the most significant gig of their career. Really, I mean, mm, it's the yeah. most. It might, it's not quite the biggest venue in London um, or the UK, but it's certainly the most well known and the most prestigious and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I feel like we've talked about Ghost on this tour specifically a lot and every time they've turned up and they've just smashed it and it's been brilliant and this just was no exception really, was it? No, I think In my opinion really. anyway. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, there are a couple of bits towards the beginning where I thought it slowed down a bit too much. There was a bit where, um, I agree. Tobias went off, um, and the guitarist played solos and then one of them played EastEnders. Yeah, I was looking at back at the set list and they had three instrumentals and a guitar duel in the first 10 songs. Yeah. Which is, I, I thought it was the exact same thing. I thought that was an interesting way to pace it. Yeah. Like for me, that was a bit too much. Like wh- when they, when Tobias was off and they were doing the guitar solo stuff, I thought, oh, cool. You know, this is part of the show. Tobias is probably going to come back in a different outfit or do something mad. 
and then he just came back normally and I was like oh he didn't even need to be mm. off the stage like that wasn't to like cover time or anything that was literally just part of the show and I thought to have that at the beginning it did bring the momentum down a bit yeah and, and I, I think in was... front of a, a, a you know if you're if you're filling out Wembley Arena you're at the point in your career where there's going to be more casual fans there like you don't get to that size as a band where every single one of those 10 to 12,000 people are like ghost obsessives who know every single word to every song yeah. so I think you need to be a bit more like, mind. yeah exactly bit Should more on it bit more like throwing out big bangers as soon as you can to kind of grab the crowd bit more a bit in the crowd's excited, face all that yeah. kind of stuff totally though but i think actually it's worth saying that as soon as tobias walked out it was like every go show now everyone's like ah! yeah totally everyone starts screaming him Absolutely and he's super literally and when we like, say tobias we of course mean cardinal coffee oh sorry i meant cardinal coffee <laughs> <laughs> and cardi c comes out and everyone we goes, assume tobias ah! walks out somewhere in the van <laughs> Um, so yeah, Cardi C comes out and everyone's like, ah, and he's like playing up to it and stuff. And that's cool to see because it does actually contribute to the atmosphere. Like the crowd reacting like that does make you react like that. Definitely. It's like, if they're having a good time. You have a good time as well. But yeah, I thought that was a little bit slow. And I also didn't love Mary on the Cross. I thought that was uh, like, really, a, yeah. You're not into that song. I like the song, but I think again, with the pacing on like the beginning bit when it was a bit slower, I felt like that was a bit of a slower one. And like literally the whole end of the set was stacked with bangers and the end of the set it was like it was like being on a train that was like going along and like, yeah, I'm having a really good ride. And then the end of it was like when it really like speeds up and yeah. they're just like flies off a cliff and you're like, I mean, What's going it on? It was crazy it was crazy. <laughs> like I I've kind of thought all the same things as you really. I was making notes and yeah, I agree. I thought the first um the first maybe third of the set was paced quite interestingly. I went with a friend of mine from home who hadn't seen them before. And I was interested to see her reactions and kind of, you know, how kind of enraptured in it all she was. And you could definitely see that there was a bit of a lull when, like you said, when Cardinal goes off stage and then the guitarist are jamming. I mean, the, and the thing is, the ghouls have become such stars in their own rights because they're all so on it and they're so entertaining. And I they're was about so to say, like, like, their band is just incredible. Amazing. Like, and I they've managed they to, like, do. I feel like I, I can see the different personalities between each ghoul yeah, now totally. where I couldn't the first few times but now I'm just like oh yeah it's that guy he's the one that does this kind of stuff and he's the one that's like and they really do like showy. carry a lot of the show because tambourine lads absolute <laughs> legend that guy is the a guy at the fucking back. hero <laughs> yeah like he's like I've never seen someone put so much sex into just slapping a tambourine it's amazing the cool I thought were great as well they yeah, were like between awesome. themselves they were like working things but yeah I really thought they carried a lot of the show because if you're going to have a show where you've got Cardinal who's kind of going to go off the stage and come back and do little interludes and various things you do need a cast of characters around him that are going to carry things forward and they were great like musically fantastic and just really like acted the part as well which is hard when you're wearing costumes and masks you've got to do a lot of physical comedy yeah, you know with definitely. your hands and your body language and that's that a really good stuff. point actually really good point and they were brilliant yeah awesome um i mean yeah p apart from the kind of slightly interesting set list choice it's interesting what you say about mary on the cross as well because I think that's I think this, that song is a fucking tune. I love both those new ghost tracks, but I do think that the the verse is the strongest part of that song because the verse is very urgent and like and then the chorus kind of like dials back down to this kind of I don't mean it in a negative way, but in a bit more of a plodding kind of like do 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 and it's not quite yeah. the hands in the air sing along that a lot of their newer stuff is yeah has produced so maybe that's partly like why a lot more yeah way bigger like so much more definitely momentum. i mean those last three songs were kiss the go-go dance macabre and 
um, Square Hammer, which is just Amazing. unbelievable. I mean, like you say, it's just you get some bands that are able to string three or four songs in the other way. It's just like smack in the face, smack in the face, it was smack like in euphoria, the face. And it was it? amazing. It was like euphoric. And then they had a glitter cannon as well. Was that Mummy Dust at the glitter cannon? Uh, they they had a couple of confetti bits, I think. They definitely had confetti during um, Dance Macabre. Yeah. Because I got that bit on video when it always goes poof. <laughs> um, and yeah, I love the rainbow lights during Dance Macabre really as well. That's a really cool touch. It just gave the thing a slightly warmer vibe than it's had before. Um, there are a couple of tiny little changes, like um, I don't think the Cardinal normally cycles in on a little tricycle, does he? No, that I really enjoyed I that. That seen before. It's um, from the video, isn't it? Obviously, it's yeah, all yeah, a parody like of... Um, the Shining. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's in the episodes as well. And when he came... I was really excited when he came out on the tricycle. I was like, oh my gosh, it's on a tricycle. And it was, But it was so like <laughs> endearingly and purposefully naff. Because he yeah, kind of went... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, and then exactly. like backwards a bit like it wasn't really spooky at all it was just done in this kind of like oh lols yeah um and that's the whole vibe of the band isn't it I yeah thought that definitely. was a really nice touch and i did think um cardi c was really good like it's it's the same character now he's been doing for a long time and he had some of the same lines about like tickling your taint and wobbling your ass and stuff well he's kind of made it a thing hasn't he but like he people kind of... were like excited to hear him I think just excited to sort of see him because people just love him and stuff. Yeah, definitely. I did think he could have got a stronger reaction and then he was playing up to it, wasn't he, with the crowd going, come on, like, give me more yeah, sort yeah. of thing. Well, again, I think that may be an interesting learning curve for them because they've, I mean, they've not done it quickly. They've done it over 10 years, but like they've got to Wembley um, at a point where, like I said, there's, they're going to have people coming in that maybe haven't seen Ghost before yeah. and are coming to this big rock show they're excited about, um, but they might not know every word. They might not know all the typical like little skits they do on stage and stuff. Um, and I think when you're doing that, especially for the first time, you have to really like ram it home um, what your little bits are, um, getting in as many big songs as they could have had. I mean, again, in terms of the set list, uh, I wonder if having all those instrumentals was the best way to open up that first third. Like, I think it would have been cool if maybe they stuck in something like See the Light off the new album, just to have another like big sing-along mm. um, bit in that first part, because it didn't quite feel like there were enough of those. Um, they didn't play Memoria, did they? Don't think so, no. And I was a bit sad about that. No. Um, but uh, and, I mean, me obviously, <laughs> the old stuff is fantastic, and it's what's got them here. And some of their very best stuff is the old stuff, is the old material, and and stuff like Ritual still gets a massive reaction, which oh, is great. Oh yeah, no, it's that's um, cool. But I do think, especially when you look at Square Hammer, Dance Macabre, and Rats, there's a significant difference in the feel in the room and the reaction when they play Absolutely. those kind of songs. Absolutely. And I think that's very telling of where they should be going now. Like to me, that's where Ghost needs to go: big, massive kind of poppy sing-along rock bangers like i think is where they need to be i mean my favorite song is he my favorite ghost track is he is and that always sounds amazing i thought that was amazing they did but, the lights um, so well for that yeah, like he beautiful. was up on the very back top of the stage and they had all these massive white spotlights yeah going it was around gorgeous because i always think that song to me feels like a christian hymn and that obviously that that's like a ghost thing as well isn't it you take the those things that feel like Christian hymns and you turn them into the same things but with Satan and it's, yeah. you know, it's part of the whole gag but it genuinely feels like being in some sort of like satanic service. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, so like that was amazing Um and I think those, like that absolution, I think those kind of songs from Meliora 
yeah, zero should definitely stay in the set. Um, Monstrous Clock, I thought was missed. I think that's a really lovely part of the I don't know, I always canon. think that's a bit boring. Oh, that's one of my favourite ghost songs. I come together, I love Actually, it. Actually, that, no, yeah. That bit at the end where he always talks about like, he always does the joking about having sex and coming together and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That bit was always quite good and like the come together singing. But the actual verse of the Monstrance Clock, I always think is quite slow. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I think I, I really like that in the set. Um, but I, ju I just think there's some songs uh, that they need to just keep going and keep in the set forever because they just work. And I think moving forward, they definitely are in a position now where they've got a formula. They can see the kind of songs that really spark a reaction in mm. big arena size crowds. Um, and they need to just keep on that because uh, I just think, I mean, Rats, like I said, Rats is an unbelievable song. Square Hammer, I said the other week, I think might be the best rock song of the last 10 years. Um and Dance Macabre is massive as well. Like the, the fever, it reaches like fever pitch in it there. It does. It's just everyone just suddenly, for most of the gig, people are like nodding their heads, a few fists up, a yeah. little bit of dancing, a little bit of headbanging. Dance Macabre kicks off and everyone's suddenly dancing out of nowhere. That's exactly it's amazing. what happened. And then the same for Square Hammer as well. It's like you said, yeah. fever pitch. It was like a zenith of rocking out. It was like just this crazy kind of like feverish, satanic worship ritual arena thing yeah it was amazing and i think i was dancing in my seat by the end yeah i was as well i was having a right old boogie <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, uh, so overall yeah interesting set list selections maybe some lessons there for um you know the kind of rule the kind of unwritten rules of working arenas i guess um, yeah. but overall just yeah just yeah another fantastic ghost set i think they're the most vital band um that are doing it on a major level in rock and metal today um and i said baby metal are the most wholesome experience in metal but i think ghosts are right up there as well because yeah. everyone's just having so much fun it's just such a good time to go see ghost yeah it is just really fun they're just like we were saying last time we reviewed them they're just a really fun band and you go there and it's entertainment it's good fun yeah fuck yeah so awesome to see them um interested to see if we'll see them again on this cycle or not mm. um they still have not done a festival in a long time so you'd imagine that's got to be on the agenda at some point um, I, I, think they go, so. I think they did reading weirdly not that long ago but it was in the tent um or maybe that was a while ago now anyway they haven't they haven't brought this big production and all this kind of stuff to a festival so i hope to see that soon I was thinking the other day, actually, on the kind of stuff I talked about, like the more catchy, poppy stuff, I could definitely see them rocking up to Glastonbury and going down an absolute storm. Yeah, I think so too. I think them coming out and playing Rats to a slightly unknowing crowd and people will be looking at it and thinking, what the fuck is I'd this? I'd love to see that on TV as well. We haven't even talked about Miasma. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like my favourite song off the last album. I mean, imagine Papa Nile coming up and <laughs> rocking that saxophone <laughs> solo out on the Pyramid stage. People would get it and people would love it, I think. I, I think it's cool do. how that's become a thing now as well. Like when yeah, when definitely. it first happened, you're like, ah, this is happening. And now people expect it. And it's like one of these things you're waiting for. Yeah. And then it happens and you don't enjoy it any less. You enjoy it even more. I was thinking about it actually. Like, are they going to try and recreate that kind of moment on the next album? Because... I mean, I still remember when we listened to prequel for the first time in the office and that sax coming in was the moment when we all looked at each other and went, oh my God, this is something <laughs> fucking amazing. Um, so I wonder if they'll try and kind of keep that kind of yeah. fun, unexpected swerve. Um, I as imagine a he'd be writing with the, the show in mind because he of is course, of that yeah. mindset. You where, have to at that level. Yeah. And also in a lower level, he always has done, he's written for a story and for a performance 
and now having done arenas, you know, you've got to imagine those moments. Didn't he say he wrote Square Hammer literally as well, like for big shows, just to have yeah. a hit to play? Yeah. And it's like, if you can just crack out a Square Hammer, it's like, do you like 12 more of those? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, well, f- so, so good. I know we talked about them a lot on the podcast, but that's because they really are doing something exciting. And if ever there's a band that can do it and actually break through the mainstream while doing something bonkers and totally different to anything else out there, it's Ghost. And I really hope it keeps going because they are a band that needs to be in arenas. Um, right, let's talk about the Grammy nominations. Always a fun topic in the world of heavy metal. <laughs> yeah, it's just always disappointing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, disappointing. Uh, we picked out a few to go through because there's some interesting kind of labels of categories and stuff. Um, I'm not quite sure how many of these have always been around. I know they tweak the formula a little bit. I've never um, understood. I meant to look this up before we did this, but I didn't. And maybe you can tell me. I've never understood what the performance category is. Yeah, so I've never there, there is, is a description like on the page, but it doesn't really explain it. Is it's it like a song that has to be performed or, or is it, it a recording? It's or really vague. They do, they, do this, they do explain it on the Grammys website, okay, but, it, do, but it doesn't, it doesn't clear it up for <laughs> okay. me. I read it and I was like, no, I still don't get it. So we've got Best Rock Performance best rock album and best rock song so the difference between best rock song and best rock performance i'm very confused by especially as some of them are exactly the same yeah best rock album makes sense um so yeah let's go through them and then there's some other ones as well best rock performance category we've got bones uk gary clark jr Brittany howard karen owen danger mouse is Mm. a weird one for rock uh and rival sons um best rock album bring me the horizon maybe not too surprising to see that Cage the Elephant, who just seemed to be an American thing to me. Yeah. Didn't they support Metallica a few years ago as well? I don't know. Like, they just seem to be... Uh, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't it. get it. Uh, the Cranberries? <laughs> eh? That's still a thing. Hmm. Um, I Prevail, um, who we haven't really talked about much in the podcast. They're quite an interesting band. They are, but Basically I Basically like US radio metal, but for a slightly younger crowd. Yeah, and very like they've got like, you know, one and a half million friends on facebook or whatever like friends on, likes on facebook <laughs> we're all friends man all friends in this here. World. that means melham has two, two and a half million friends <laughs> we do but yeah they've got like a huge following and here they just play much smaller venues but they do metalcore really well um in that kind of like breakdown bro sort of way with singy bits warped but tour I, metalcore yeah, but I it, I was a bit surprised to see them in the best rock album because you would have thought they'd put them in the metal one, really. Yeah, yeah. If it's got point, unclean actually. vocals, you kind of think it probably shouldn't go in rock. But there you go. Yeah. It, has, um, it has done. And uh, Rival Sons are uh, nominated there as well. So two nominations for Rival Sons. Fair play. Uh, best rock song, Tool, ni- the 1975, Vampire Weekend, Britney Howard and Gary Clark Jr. I mean, I don't understand how they come up with these categories. Yeah, I don't know why. I understand that the 1975 are loosely a rock band, but them and Tool being in the same category, is just, how are Tool not in best metal performance? Do oh, they? wait, they are. They are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, this makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so best metal performance. Um, this, so this is where this confuses the shit out of me. Um, none of the bands here are undeserving of being in this category at all. I'm just confused in some cases of why now? When you look at what's exciting and fresh and innovative in the metal scene in 2018-2019, we've got a Candlemas track with Tony Iommi on it. Uh, that's Astro Astorolus, <laughs> the Great Octopus. Astorolus. Astorolus. Maybe watch that Octopus. video if you've not watched it. It's very interesting. Um, and then you've got I Prevail, 
Killswitch Engage, which is always great to see. Tool again. Um, and Death Angel. And I, and again, uh, these are these are all great bands, but I'm I'm really interested. I mean, Death Angel getting a Grammy would be fucking bananas and brilliant. <laughs> be, but yeah. in the same way that High on Fire got one last year, it's a bit like, why, why now? then? Now, why now? Yeah. When there's so much, uh, and I'm not saying what Death Angel are doing isn't interesting, but there's so much interesting stuff that's out there right now. I'm just. I'm not saying it's the wrong decision, but I'm very interested to know how that panel exactly. went. It's Death not, Angel at this point. It's just interests me. It's not like you're saying any of these people are non-deserving. It's Absolutely just what's, not. What's the reasoning behind it? I mean, it? like I said, Candlemas or Death Angel walking up on stage and picking up a Grammy would be an yeah. amazing thing for underground music. It but would be. Um, and, and and even in the case of Killswitch, I mean, I think that new album's great. I talked about it a few times. Massive grower. Um, I think it's for Unleashed uh, off the album. This this nomination. Um, uh, but again, it's like Killswitch, okay. A band that should absolutely have bagged some Grammys in their time. I'm not sure if they have or not. I don't think they have. Um, but it's just interesting what the what the thinking is now. I mean, how have Slipknot on an album that is widely regarded as their best in over a decade um, and having had such a great year and there's so much stuff going on there. How is Slipknot not 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 even getting a look in anywhere That's here? That's exactly what I don't I understand it. as well. well and the same with Ramstein. How are Ramstein yeah, exactly, not getting... Exactly and I'm not saying that. it has to be big bands, but you know, if you're putting Tool in there and, and all the rest of it... You kind of feel like they've put Tool in because of their chart success this year. Because the fact that they streamed their music finally mm. and then the fact that it all just got into the charts. Even if you're not into metal or you did, just didn't know who Tool were or you'd ignored them forever and ever and ever. It's like, this was the year you couldn't ignore Tool. It was too big. So sure. I feel like they're in there because it's like, you just can't, you literally can't ignore them. But, but I would imagine, well, I think ones, Slipknot, I Slipknot and Ramstein should be in that bracket as well. For the, I mean, Slipknot got another one on both sides of the Atlantic, didn't they? They did, but if you're talking about if you're talking to about be clear, I don't mainstream. think Tool shouldn't be nominated. I'm just yeah, very yeah. confused as to why Slipknot haven't been. I'm thinking anywhere. about it along mainstream terms. So if you've got people judging, if you've got people coming up with these nominations, and they are mainstream consumers, they are going to pick mainstream type acts. You know, like most people have heard of the Cranberries, for example. But with and with Tool, if you're a mainstream person who engages with mainstream music and you engage with the charts. You then are forced to engage with Tool, whether or not you want to. So Tool, I can definitely understand why that's there. Um, so do you think Tool are po- um, almost more acceptable more to kind of be uh, like you're more likely to be exposed to Tool? Yeah, definitely. As an entity than you are Slipknot. Yes, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Thanks for articulating it. <laughs> so we go, wow, it's a big deal. Slipknot have got number one on both sides of the Atlantic, but you know somebody could say, well. X, Y, and Z artists have all had number ones on both sides of the Atlantic all year. What makes Slipknot special? And we go, well, Slipknot are metal. But if you're not into metal, you're just going to ignore it, probably. And I guess Tool are uh, kind of, quote-unquote, like, cooler as well. They're kind of more alternative. And uh, and as a kind of progressive, heavy rock band, um, you can imagine, I don't know this, but you, I can imagine Tool getting champions by a lot of artists who are outside the yeah. metal scene but are very cool and credible. Um, I wish I could think of some sort of immediately to mind, but I'm sure there are a lot of people within music itself who checked out that Tool album because they're a, a widely acclaimed band, whereas Slipknot are the ultimate fucking outsider, Grebo, one of us bands. Like, they're exactly. our band. If you wear a Slipknot hoodie, um, there's nothing 
cool about that to the mainstream. Like the logo is one of the ugliest logos ever made. And I say that endearingly as a man that owns multiple Slipknot t-shirts, you know. Yeah, obviously. It's not that they are not there to be kind of a cool, credible choice. They're there to fucking... And if you are operating in the mainstream as well, you've got a choice, like visually, then you've got like a band where there's sort of four grown men presenting themselves in a certain way and then you've got like all oh, those nine blokes with masks on yeah and th- that you could just laugh at that if you aren't if you're in a prick world. exactly yeah you're <laughs> an absolute prick but yeah um but ramstein as well i kind of feel like oh, yeah, yeah i no, guess they're sucks. super metal as well but they're not quite as like fundamental grebo as slipknot are it's just to us, metal anyway. just gets ignored by the mainstream yeah it just sucks and the thing is that they've got a best metal category here and again i'm not i'm not slagging off any of the bands nominated here but like why i prevail getting nominated over that's the american thing as well like it's harder for us to get our head around that because maybe on american rock radio it's like oh yeah of course we have to nominate i prevail like everyone who likes metal likes them i would like to see venom prison get a fucking grammy nomination yeah imagine i mean another like rule book ripping feminist fuck you death metal album um compared to you know an okay album by i prevail like or oh, i don't know there's so much good stuff that happened last year and this year and i just think or even if you're going to go mainstream metal like corn that was a good album yeah yeah that's but a good point it's corn corn's the kind of there. maybe it came in long too late because oh, the, the time period for grammys is a bit weird isn't it oh uh, yeah probably a bit earlier and then they don't get announced till next year, even though it's 2019. It's all a bit weird. Yeah. No, Corner definitely, they're quite a good example of a band who I could definitely see getting a Grammy nom because most people have at least seen that logo on a hoodie and they kind of, again, were big in metal at a point where metal was like... one at some point, or just nom- nom- a nomination. A nomination? Uh, I don't I know. They might have had one. The Grammys are so weird. I think Tenacious D won the best metal Grammy once. Like, it's just bizarre how that, how that whole organisation works. And also, there's, uh, there's a best alternative music album which it, which has Big Thief, James Blake, Bon Iver, Vampire Weekend, and Tom York. I'm sorry, James Blake is not fucking alternative. <laughs> James Blake is like, like again, perfectly fine artist. If you like him, cool, whatever. I like some stuff like that as well. Dude in the hat. But I mean, alternative music. Like, come on, man. We're talking from the hymn sheet of like Jane's Addiction and stuff here. Not like... Okay, Corn have had a fuck ton of nominations. Yeah, so, I was going to say, it would make sense. If yeah. They 98 nominated for Shoots and Ladders. 99 nominated for No Place to Hide. That's cool. Uh, yeah, four more nominations, three for Freak on a Leash stuff, one for Did My Time. And then there, there's w- loads of nominations is what we're getting at, Elf. No, they won two. <laughs> they won two. They won Best Metal Performance in 2003 for Here to Stay. Brackets, Banger. Brackets clean. And they won the Best Music Video for Freak on a Leash in 2000. Oh, oh, what that's a video. richly deserved. I'd say that's my favourite music video ever. So Best Video? Not even mm. just metal video. Just music video. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, that is a point where metal... We were actually talking about this a little bit off air. Like, that is a point where metal was, like, doing stuff and being seen on the, on the mainstream yeah. platform. Like, probably, like, never before. I mean, Korn winning a video for... Uh, sorry, winning a Grammy for a video that is one of the greatest metal videos ever made um, within an organisation that is largely swerved towards the mainstream. is fucking amazing. And I'd love to see that happen more i want um, metal in the mainstream i don't care if people bitch about it not being no, ours anymore or i not agree being cult or whatever i'd want it to i be agree big. 
I understand that metal, uh, obviously metal exists at the grassroots and there it will always thrive and it will always be great. But metal being on the mainstream is not going to affect a band being able to play the underworld on a Wednesday night or not. That's going to happen anyway. But the fact of the matter is, um, many of your favourite black metal bands were first inspired by Kiss, who uh, put on put put themselves straight on a platform, put themselves in people's faces and tried to push themselves into mainstream as much as possible. Um, the fact is, is that when you have rock bands and you have true alternative music out in the mainstream, on televisions, on radios, um, it just, it makes the scene healthier and it inspires more bands because that's how you see stuff. Yeah. I saw metal videos by seeing metal channels back in the day, one of which Scuzz now doesn't exist anymore, you know? No. Like, so these things are important and I think, uh, you know, it's easy to just go, ah, who cares about the Grammys? But it would be nice to see... Um, it it's would be really nice for us all to go, oh, yeah, they've smashed that. That is exactly where metal is at. at if you moment. don't know anything about metal, it's really hard to actually know that it exists. Like like you said, if you're not seeing it on TV channels, it's not in the mainstream. You might really love metal, but you'll just never even find out about it. Yeah, exactly. Unless you read Metal Hammer, which you should be doing. Because <laughs> we ain't going to stop repping, even if other, other people will. Um, but yeah, that all said, um, I wouldn't complain about any of those bands picking up a Grammy. I Prevail will probably be the least inspiring to me personally. I think it'd be badass for Killswitch and Gage to get a Grammy. They absolutely... Can you check if they've got a Grammy? Killswitch and Gage? Yeah. Okay. If they haven't already, Killswitch and Gage are absolutely a metal band that should have a Grammy on their shelves. So should Tool, to be fair. I don't know if they've won a Grammy yet or not. They must have done. They should have. Um, look at me bitching about the Grammys when I don't even know who's won them. <laughs> it's really easy to forget yeah. though Candlemas and Death Angel getting here. Grammys would be absolutely nuts um, but again <laughs> what's the what's the thinking what is the thinking uh, they're on the artist section oh I'm not sure hang on a sec they've had three nominations and no wins so one we were talking about that one of them is for best metal performance for Unleashed Cool. Then in 2013, they were nominated for Best Metal Performance for In Due Time. Banger. 2004, they were nominated for Best Metal Performance for The End of Heartache. So you get that as a very timely spot on, you know, that is when exactly when Kill Switching Games should be getting nominated um, when they're producing great songs. So that's happened three times for them, which is good. Uh, yeah, I guess they're my favourite band out of this bunch that got nominated, so I'd like them to win. Tool, they won Best Metal Performance for Schism in 2002. Cool. Best metal performance for Anima in '98. Well, they won these. Yeah. Well, they don't need another one then. Give <laughs> it to Kill Switch. That's my official. <laughs> and they got <laughs> nominated for a few things as well. There we go. Um, there we go. Uh, in other news, uh, Abbott has gone to rehab. Um, legendary uh, face of Immortal, of course, um, and in recent years has um been playing around the scene with his own band. Um, so yeah, Abbott had a, he, he's had, you know, a few shaky performances over recent years. Um, and he had a pretty disastrous set in Buenos Aires the other day, um, that resulted in the cancellation of his South America tour. He looked like he was uh, heavily inebriated when he was performing and the set got cut short. Um, and now he has officially announced that he has gone to rehab. So he said in a statement on Instagram or on social media anyway, um, Abbott has said, it's no secret that I've been battling addiction. I've now come to realize that it's time to pick a fight with this demon. I've committed myself to a rehab program that's going to help me get clean once and for all. I feel more motivated and determined than ever to win this battle. Um, and of course, his rehab admission uh, means he's also had to cancel upcoming dates with Bombers, who's his Motorhead's tribute band. And uh, so, yeah, 
power to Abath. Hopefully, you'd see him um, see him uh, pull through that. Um, you know, very positive that we're. I guess one of the positives of social media is that we are able to see bands. Um, you know, not shy away from what's going on and, and kind of um, admit what's happening and and be able to openly go and uh, go and deal with that. So, um, any updates on all that front? Uh, stay tuned to metalhammer.com, of course. What's else been going on, L? Let's, let's look at Let's this Bloodstock announcement. They've announced loads more bands for Sophie Stage. Yeah. They've announced Bloody Wood, Castle Decapitation, Memoriam, Ramage Inc., Green Lung, and Bosk. So there's some really cool bands there. Castle Decapitation, who um, someone asked us about a video of that we'll get to later. They are releasing their new record this week as well. Oh, wicked. We'll definitely go great. check that out. A band probably whose message is more pertinent, well, definitely more pertinent than ever, and they've been saying it all along. I, I and love they were Bloody right. Wood. Yeah, Bloody Wood. Let's talk Very about good. them. They're pretty cool. Yeah. I think we talked about them. Could you, did you new guys see them? New Metal Bollywood. I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's great. So yeah, Bollywood, uh, New Metal. Really cool to see Bloodstock uh, continuing to rep for bands That's right so around the world. so fun as well. Um, if you're, uh, I, I think they're headlining the Sophie Tent on one of the days. Um, if you're thinking about going to see them, um, you know, don't think twice about it. Go and see them because they are, as L can confirm, an absolute riot. Also, Ramage Inc. Love them. We've had them on our Cover Mount CD a few times. Really rate them. Great band. Yeah. And Bosk, they're solid. Yeah, Bosk, they've been around the world as well. Green Long too. Memoriam, yeah. Another great announcement from Bloodstock. That takes place in August next year. Um, ticket details available through the Bloodstock website. Um, I just added this on my notes to talk about very briefly. Faith No More are back. Yeah. Uh, they've announced a trio of European 2020 tour dates. Uh, they're playing Ireland, France, and Norway. I think those are all festival uh, sets. Uh, the France set is, of course, part of that absolutely bitching uh, Hellfest lineup <laughs> that Elle's been losing her mind over all morning. I'm so excited about it. You were a bit nonplussed, and I was like, look, Merlin, look, it's Deftones. Well, all these amazing fans. I just want to go. I just want to see them all. One of the days is on my birthday. This is the greatest time. Yeah, and it's, you a, were a bit like, eh. it's a banging lineup. I, I guess uh, uh, it's not that I don't think it's not a fantastic lineup. It's just that I looked at it and thought that's Ella's fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Deftones, Faith No More, System, Corn, loads of like Devin's on it. My sugar's on it. I'm proud. Peripheries on it. I'm proud to be me, Merlin. You can't take so that away from me. So you should be. Absolutely killer lineup. Um, yeah, fantastic festival. And yeah, one of the pla- one of the three dates so far that Faith No More have confirmed. Um, we were we were wondering whether they might end up at Download, but it looks like one of those. I think the Island date is on the only day of Download where it looks like there might be a slot for a band like Faith No More. I think. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they end up in England, if they end up in England. I, I hope they, they do. do. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they'll do their own thing. We don't know. We don't have the info, man. <laughs> <laughs> what else is happening, now? I don't know. I don't know what that was. Um, Ozzy's got a new single out. Yeah. Woo! It's called Straight to Hell, and it features Slash. Yeah, off the new album coming in January. Um, what did you think of it? Did you actually listen to this one? I did, yeah. Hooray! <laughs> I enjoyed it. It had the choral thing at the beginning and I kind of liked it how um, it, the chorus was like saying straight to hell tonight and then you get that kind of the ah from the chorus. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it's, it's cool. good kind of bouncy. Like response. Uh, yeah, good kind of bouncy, classic, faster Aussie track. Um, I wouldn't say Slash was super um, noticeable on it. I didn't but, really notice. Um, you know, it's good to hear him on there. A little bit of bluesy stuff and, and solo and such like, fine, all good. Um, Marilyn Manson's released another new song as well another cover 
kind of wanting him to just get on with his own shut now. <laughs> I don't like the fact he's become a bit of a cover artist. Um, but uh, yeah, he's done a, a cover of Doors classic, The End. Um, another kind of outlaw country kind of vibe around this one, which I'm in, in, sonically I'm very keen on this kind of whole approach for Manson. Yeah, we had it on the office the other day and I can't remember exactly what I said, but there's a bit in the background where he, I think he just kind of goes motherfucker <laughs> and I was just like you're just saying motherfucker in the background I was like I don't think this was in the original <laughs> maybe not it's cool I like the outlaw country psychedelic weird culty thing he's doing I think it really suits him yeah, but like you said really I want to hear the original contents yeah I definitely hear. Like basically like the last couple of tracks you've put out um, make your new music like that but yours instead of someone else's <laughs> and we'll all be happy pick up the double M uh, reader questions come to facebook.com forward slash Melthammer readers to hang out with us and ask us questions for the podcast or about the magazine or anything else you want to chat about uh, we've got a wicked community on there I think it's coming up to 300 300 3000 people Yay. on there now which is awesome so thank you very much everyone for taking part um, Sam Welch asks in the last podcast you were casting films from albums we were indeed <laughs> um, basically picking albums that would make good films um, now, which artist, bands, or collaboration would you choose to create a concept album based on an existing movie or TV series? So, for an example, Sam says he would pick Nightwish <laughs> doing an album based on Frozen. I think that would be <laughs> awesome. I love that. And it's not that Floor, far. Floor, like, hammering Let It Go exactly. as the kind of centre of bridge would be amazing. And it's also not that far from things they've done before. Like. True. Scrooge McDuck. I know. We had, that, did that. we had that in the office the other day. I just, you weren't here, man. And I just brought up the fact that Thomas Holopainen once did an album based on Scrooge McDuck. And everyone was like, no, you're just making shit up. And I was like, no, it's a real thing. Um, yeah, yeah. That happened. We I, had I would watch that. I was saying the other day, I think Frozen is massively overrated as a film. I, I just like think, it. I think it's all right. But in the world of Pixar classics, it's quite far. I don't think it is a Pixar, but you know what I mean. I think it's quite far that, down the that list. That anthem made it massive. Yeah, for, like Let It Go is a big tune. Yeah. Um, what have you done for this? <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what, what bands are you getting to cover? What stuff? This is really last minute. And um, I've gone for TV instead of film just because I probably watched a lot more Netflix this year. And I was just trying to think, basically trying to think of Other what... Other streaming platforms are available. I was trying <laughs> to think of what I've watched on streaming platforms <laughs> and how that would go into an album. Um, so the first program I thought that I've like been watching this year was Sabrina, the dark okay. n- the dark interpretation yeah, of yeah. it. The chilling adventures of Sabrina, isn't That's it? That's the one, yeah. yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, who could do that? And then I was like, Trent Reznor could do that. Okay, interesting. I'm not sure because he's done. Um, and he got his hands in the movie world. He's done kids world. movies recently. I can't remember what the name of it was. He's done a kids film. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think because maybe he wants to, his kids to be able to listen to his work without him like breaking down and sounding like he's in a drug hole. But yeah, I can't remember the kids film he's done. Done loads of soundtrack work, and um, even though it is like, you know, Sabrina's darker than Sabrina Teenage Witch, it's still like an entertainment program. It's not like seriously creepy or anything but it has that sort of like cartoony gothic aspect to it so that could be quite cool um i've been watching bojack horseman this year oh as everyone should one of the greatest cartoons ever made i was like who could do bojack horseman no idea who you're gonna pick for this and because the theme tune is like you know kind of that airy indie sort of thing it's done by a well-known band isn't it yeah i can't remember who it is and it's all like 
that's the theme tune. And he goes, me. What do you mean the one at the end? Oh, you meant the one at the end. Oh, yeah. I meant the one at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I'm a very famous TV show. Yeah, that is the one by the famous band, sorry, actually. Yeah. Anyway, I was thinking like it would have to just be. I don't want to do an indie band because we're Metal Hammer, um, but it would also have to be something that's like a bit fucked up and weird. And also something, you know, maybe a band that was used to anthropomorphizing animals. So I chose Igor. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) Because he had the song called Chicken Symphony where a chicken played a song. He got his pet chicken to play a song and then he made it into music. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're so unimpressed. I thought you could say Devin. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> That's my idea. I'm I'm pitching Fine. that. And then the other thing I've been watching Stranger Things. And I just Oh I just cool. pick grave pleasures. Oh yeah, great shout. For being eighties and shit. Or you could do like I don't know why I'm reinterpreting all your ideas. You could do one of the synthwave bands, that'd be good. Maybe a bit Yeah, Carpenter Brute would be cool. Although that is kind of like what it's the sort of the same thing. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah great pleasures. I feel like there's loads that. of stuff here, but yeah, they were the ones that I thought of. Cool. How about you? I would watch... Well, I wouldn't watch the Eagle one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so mean. Uh, I picked horror movies, unsurprisingly, of because I'm a did. cliche. Um, and it's just metal and horror is just ripe, isn't it? Um, so the first one I picked was Slipknot, um, doing uh, a full concept album based on the Evil Dead franchise and story. I think that would be fucking amazing. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's not quite the kind that... like Evil Dead is kind of a bit like, spookier than what Slipknot deal with kind of image wise, but um, it's still very visceral, very violent, especially if you look at the 2013 reboot, which is amazing if no one's seen it. It's so like maybe the best reboot ever. Um, So yeah, I thought that would be really cool. Um, Just loads of like nasty visceral lyrics from Corey based on the curse and all the classic horrible things that happen in it. Yeah. Severed limbs and hands running around and chainsaws and all sorts of cool shit. Um, so yeah, that was quite an obvious one. Um, I picked um, Venom Prison. Doing, have you seen a film called Teeth? No. It's about a woman who has teeth in her vagina. Oh yeah, vagina dentata. Yeah, vagina dentata. No, I do know that. And film, yeah. she uses it to uh, castrate men who yeah. att- attempt to assault her and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I thought was very in fitting with um, the the last Venom Prison album and some yeah. of the things around that. So I thought that could be quite cool. Um, and what's the other one? Oh yeah, I've got Cannibal Corpse doing Hellraiser, which is really easy and obvious. It's just really gory. I'd actually like to see one that you didn't expect. Like I was really obsessed with Gilmore Girls this year and watched every single season. I'd like to see like Cannibal Corpse do Gilmore Girls or something. Yes. <laughs> okay. I would I'd definitely watch that. To be fair, I might sound really predictable now. Um, and then I had Merkir doing. Um, well, I picked Merkir to do Midsummer because Midsummer is kind of pagany, yeah, uh, esque thing. But I haven't actually seen Midsummer yet. I know. Losing horror points for not seeing that, but I can never get anyone to go with me. So, whatevs. Um, so I thought maybe I shouldn't pick that if I haven't seen it yet. So I picked The Witch instead. I'll go watch it with you, Merlin. Thanks. It left the cinema months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta wait until I can watch it Sunday by myself at home. Uh, so yeah, I picked The Witch for Merc here instead, which oh, I yeah. think would work very well sonically with what she was doing on Mallory. That would be cool. So yeah, that would be fun. Let's do the next question. 
Chris Haylock asks, what are your thoughts and reactions to the unerasable past video by Cattle Decapitation? I thought it was quite cool that you asked this because you, you were talking about it the other day. Yeah, you were, you were just leaving the office. and um, oh, yeah, I was like, what is that? Yeah, and I was watching it and it was the end of the day. I think it was like half five or something. And it was like um, about 13 to 15 minutes long. I sat there and watched the whole thing and I just felt really miserable afterwards. It's a really cool video, but it's just, yeah, it's about like... Give us a yeah, brief uh, summary. Um, it's basically like what we're doing to the planet. And then the visuals are all kind of like red and black and people's burning skulls and apocalyptic skies. And it's basically just like the death of humanity because of our own actions. And it's pretty heavy. And given everything in the headlines about climate change and our footprint and the way we behave as the human race and stuff, it feels very timely. Obviously, you mentioned earlier things they've been talking about for a long time, cattle decapitation. But you kind of watch it and it's just a bit of a gut punch. You're like, this is very beautiful and also very horrifying. Mm. Yeah, um, totally It fair. definitely made me feel very dark. And um, it's interesting that music and videos can still do that because we are more hardened in this day and age with things we see on social media and things we see on the news. And we hear messages all the time. We hear a lot of negative messages all the time. But watching that video, I was like, whoa, this is some serious mm. shit. I think it's so great that um, I genuinely feel like music videos are having a bit of another renaissance at the moment. Mm. Another renaissance? Just a renaissance is fine. <laughs> Tautology. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, like YouTube or other platforms are available. Um, has <laughs> I think because it's become a way with which music fans actually really consume music now, I think it's really made um, putting a, a kind of a interesting, thoughtful, provoking, uh, provocative, I should say, video together worthwhile. Um, and I think, you know, the fact that we're sitting here talking about a video by um, a death metal band is really cool. It's cool that fans can still use that medium to to spark debate and, and interest. And, you know, what capital, what capital decapitation have been writing about and standing for... Um, you know, it's never been more important than it is now. And, uh, you know, long may their message continue because they it's important. And then really not afraid to use uh, no, they don't, they do not harsh shy, imagery to show it. They do not shy away from it. And they were talking about how in this video they've used the artwork from the record and sort of brought that to life. And the album is called Death Atlas. And obviously Atlas was a god in Greek mythology who was responsible for carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders or the weight of the heavens on his shoulders. Um, and uh, Death Atlas, you can see if you look at the artwork, it is death, it is a skeleton with the, it's the Reaper, you know, it's a skeleton yeah. with the scythe and it's holding the world on its back and the world is on fire and all around him is like this sort of black and red sky um, and it's just, you know, it's the death of everything, like the death of the world. It's a great piece of art. Yeah, and it, it, again, it's a gut punch and it's got... Um, What's it called? Sand timer. Yeah, no, an hourglass. An hourglass. It's yeah. got an hourglass <laughs> on it's it. Made like up a term. No, I think I think that's another term. It's got an hourglass, and you can see that it's almost run out, and it's just you know all the symbolism and the colours in that. You're just like fuck me. I need to go and have a lie down. Yeah. So if you want to have your mind blown in a very sombering way, <laughs> uh, then uh, yeah, go check out the new cattle decapitation video. Fantastic band that deserve a lot of attention. 
Uh, Morgan Colton says, you have the power to resurrect one legend. Who do you bring back for one last gig? What a question. I probably wouldn't bring someone back because it's weird, but I'm going to reframe this as if I could nip back in time for a gig to see someone. It's a bit less alive. morbid, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit, yeah. Less, it's a bit less ethically dubious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's your pick then? Um, well, mine, mine are all quite obvious, to be honest. But, um, I mean, obviously, Freddie Mercury is a really obvious answer, but that's because he was such an amazing front man. And I think to be able to actually see that in the flesh would be incredible. Um, on a personal note, I'd love to see uh, both Phil Linnett from Thin Lizzy, live Thin Lizzy, one of my favourite rock bands. They're so great. And he was just um, live and dangerous, one of the greatest live albums ever. Um, and, yeah, he was just so charismatic and so cool. And I would have loved to have seen him live. Randy Rhodes as well. Probably the guitarist that got me into kind of the idea of solo-y guitar music mm. when I picked up the tribute um, Ozzy Osbourne live album and would have loved to see him with Ozzy back in the day. Uh, Lane Staley, again, quite an obvious one, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, would have loved to see. I think Alison Chains has been fantastic with William, but would have loved to see Lane um, at his peak. Uh, and uh, Chuck Schuldiner as well from Death would be pretty cool. Um, just a legend uh, as well. So yeah, all quite obvious choices really, but there's a reason these people are obvious. It's because they, they, they made a real mark and yeah, there you go. One just sprung to mind really randomly, totally not metal, but I would have loved to see Amy Winehouse as well. It was shocking and horrible how what happened with her. Mm. Um, she was an amazing talent and I would have loved to see her when she was in a happier place. I would also pick Lane Staley. I love Alison Chains. I never saw him. And Nirvana as well. I'd pick Kirk. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I only knew about Nirvana after he'd died. So yeah, me too. I was not old enough to go and see them at the time. So, yeah, they're my picks. Blinding choices. You can do the next one. I'll do the last one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly ran away with myself there. Also, this guy's or girl has got a cool name Curious Badger. Curious Badger asks. As we are approaching a new decade, I would like to know what your defining band from each decade is. The 70s, 80s, 90s, noughties and 10s. Go on. Okay. 70s, I've Stick got... Stick with metal bands, yeah? Yeah. yeah. 70s, I've got Black Sabbath. I think Same. you kind of have to. It's the year zero for metal. Yeah, it's so. them or Priest, really, isn't it? And I think you have to go with the band that started it all. 80s, pick Metallica. Ah, see, I went with Maiden, but it was Did really you? hard. Yeah. Did you just pick Maiden because you like them more? Um, I tried. No, I didn't actually. I think, I think Metallica did more for the evolution and the defining of what metal could be in the eighties. You know, Maiden. Um, I think are the greatest band of all time, let alone metal band. But um, we know Merlin. No, just saying. But if you look <laughs> at the musical journey, I mean, Maiden did loads of different stuff themselves. You know, they kind of went proggier. They brought in more synths at one point. Um, you know, they moved away from a kind of punkier sound that defined their early records. But if you look at the journey that Metallica took from Kill Em All to um, and Justice For All, I think, you know, I mean, that was almost kind of opened the the world up to what metal could be and the, the potential yeah. metal. So had. I think you're basically saying Metallica. Well, no, because I still think despite all that, I still think heavy, like eight, the 80s was when heavy metal became a thing. Not like... You know, uh, I mean, obviously Sabbath invented it as heavy metal. But when you think of heavy metal, you think studs and leather, chains, fuck yeah, horns in the air, yeah, high-pitched vocals. And, you know, Maiden defined that. Like what, what 80s was in metal world, I think Maiden defined that more than any other band. I genuinely do. Well, you just painted a picture of Priest for me, so. 
Yeah, also true. <laughs> Priest, uh, absolutely. I think Maiden probably win by default just by being that bit bigger, I guess. Well, I'm still going to go with Metallica, so. Totally fair. Cool. Can agree to disagree. Well, I kind of agreed. And I, yeah, <laughs> I kind of get what you're saying too. Hooray. Hooray. See, this is how you, this is how you have sensible debate, politicians. <laughs> 90s. If you're listening. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening to the Metal Hammer podcast. <laughs> 90s. I've got, well, I'm torn here because I've got Metallica. Right. But purely because of the Black Album, because okay. I think the Black Album pretty much changed everything. Again, in terms of Sonic's production, what metal could achieve, um, kind of slowing metal down into this kind of like arena rock heaviness that loads of bands would pick up uh, down the line. But then also I kind of think for a metal band that defined the 90s for being a band, not born in the 90s, but kind of um, that hit their stride in the 90s, I think you'd have to say Pantera. I picked Pantera. Yeah. Yeah, I picked Pantera because they pushed it into that groovy sound and like everybody that you interview from the 90s are just like, oh yeah, everything was just rolling along fine. And then Pantera came out of nowhere and then Pantera changed the game. And yeah, I picked Pantera. Definitely. I mean, Cowboys from Hell came out in 1990. Like that, it's like year dot for the 90s. And they came out display in 92. Yeah, exactly. Um, So yeah, I I think it probably has to be Pantera. Okay. Uh, who do you got for the noughties? Slipknot. Yeah, same. I mean, you <laughs> so can't obvious, mess with that. I are in 2001, band. hit number one, like, and they just went on to become the biggest band of that era by a mile. Everybody, by a knew, mile. everybody knew who they were. We were just yeah. talking about the mainstream earlier. You had them on mainstream TV. You had people, you know, mini moshers in the hoodies walking down the streets. Parents knew who they were. Everybody knew who they were. And every, again, like every band that you speak to from who's formed since the 2000s will probably talk about Slipknot Definitely. in some way. I think if you want a difference, like when we're talking about how bands break through to the mainstream, um, you know, Ghost, are, Ghost have hit arena level right across Europe. That's fucking awesome. But that doesn't mean that they've broken through on a mainstream level yet. Because I was in, uh, I think, lower sixth form when, um, when Volume 3 came out. Uh, and... Everybody in my year, even people that absolutely hated metal and you to piss out from listening to metal, everyone knew duality. Like everyone knew that, put my fingers into my art. Like people even used to <laughs> take the piss out of us using those lyrics and stuff. Yeah. Like it, everybody knew that song around yeah. that age bracket. Um, and that's kind of what you need a band like Ghost to do. You need Squarehammer or, you know, a song down the line to be a track that everybody fucking knows like you it just it just gets played and people totally. know it regardless not necessarily in our generation but kind of younger generations discovering music for the first time and all the rest of it need to know what that song is all about and, it's uh, that and thing duality did that for me in the noise it's that thing where if you walk down the street and stop someone and said do you know who slipknot are probably yeah yeah. But, you know, if you walk down the street and stop them and say, have you heard of Ghost? Probably not. No, probably not. And then you look at, like, again, not to go too far off track, but then you look at Rolling by Lint Biscuit. Who doesn't know that song? I mean, everybody knows that song. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. But that that said, Slipknot, I, I, yeah, we both agreed on that. Definitely defined metal in the noughties. The tens. Who got for that? Well. We've probably got the same band. <laughs> well, we just had them on the cover. I just put Five Finger Death Punch. Oh, did you? But also, brackets Ghost. Oh, yeah, I put Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Because five, Ghost and Five Finger have had that rise we were talking about, like Five Finger we had on the cover and we've sort of celebrated shot, actually, yeah. because they are doing, they've been doing arenas for a while now, for a few years, and they had a fairly swift climb. They've been putting albums out consistently 
and they are metal, no doubt about it. Whereas Ghost are obviously in our world, but they're a bit more kind of classic sounding. Yeah, I mean, there's about three metal riffs across the whole of prequel. Yeah, they've just done their well, they've just done their first arena show, so Five Finger are kind of further along. But in terms of like, I don't know, it's it's hard. It depends what categories you use, but I, yeah, for me, Five Finger brackets Ghost was my sort of answer. I use Ghost because. Um, even though they haven't had the, that true breakthrough moment like all these bands we've mentioned have, um, I still feel like there just feels like there's something about them. And I think whereas Five Finger Death Punch, I mean, they, they are uh, a very recognisable band. You recognise a Five Finger Death Punch riff, but at the same time, they are a band who basically do heavy, groovy riffs. They look like kind of like macho metal dudes, very colourful characters. Um, I think they've pretty much perfected that formula, but I don't think they really invented that formula. Yeah. Um, whereas Ghost, even though a lot of what they do is derivative, um, musically speaking, like that band coming along and looking like that and playing the songs they do and cultivating the following and the atmosphere and the kind of um, like almost like the narrative that they've cultivated is unlike anything we've seen before. And I think they're the closest thing we've got to a genuine breakthrough band that can actually do something exciting and different. Like Slipknot did when you'd never seen nine masked mentalists smashing around the stage together before. Like Pantera did when you'd never seen a bunch of totally. skinheads playing heavy groove metal before. Like Maiden did. Like Sabbath did, you know. I think Ghost have come along and done something which um, is genuinely feels like something that's not been done in the way they're doing it before. And so for me, that... Uh, and also, you know, they kept. They started in 2000. Well, they, their first album came out in 2010. Um, they've grown with each album. The cult around them's got bigger. The arguing around them has got bigger. They're controversial, which is always a good thing to be, in my opinion. And they finished the decade headlining the biggest, some of the biggest arenas in Europe. So I think for me, they've really made that journey perfectly. Um, oh yeah, and they do have that unique identity. Maybe I'll change it to Ghost Brackets Five Finger Death Punch. Ooh, nice, <laughs> nice. So there you go. I think that was a pretty, pretty solid list we've got there. Uh, Zanya Arakat asks: Will any of you guys from Metal Hammer be attending the Worlds tour, the Worlds Collide tour in the UK? That's with Temptation and Evanescence. I'm going. I would great. Be loads of bangers. I've not seen Evanescence in years. No, I haven't seen them since uh, the last proper album, which was 2011. Uh, I'm this with Temptation. Eight years. That album's got some jams on it as well. My Heart is Broken, one of the best rock power ballads ever. Ever. I can't believe it was eight years ago, though. Eight What's going years. On? It's eight as long, whole years. It's as long since that last album and now as it was between Fallen and that album, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Yes. That's crazy. Evanescence maths. Yeah. Oh, my word. But yeah, we'll be there. It's going to be good fun. Uh, that is it for this week's show thank you as always for listening um, if you're in the market for Black Friday stuff I know all those shenanigans are going on um, do log on to the Metal Hammer website across this weekend we're going to have a ton of awesome deals uh, well highlighting the very best deals for all the gear you want things like headphones turntables sound systems all that cool shit um, so if you're looking for something uh, for Black Friday in that vein log on to metalhammer.co.uk uh, don't forget to pick up the latest issue as well. And uh, we will see you next week. Goodbye, Eleanor. Goodbye, Merlin.